Oh, hello there, I'm Charles, for those of you that don't know me. And um, I'm, I'm on the theme that we've been following as a church, the theme of the river of God. And it's taken me back to the psalm that this all began with some months ago now, Psalm 46. In order to explore again what the psalm says about the, the river of God. And um, as I go over the psalm, the key phrase that we're looking at is the statement that there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. What we've learned so far is that there isn't actually a river in Jerusalem. And in fact, all there is is a series of springs, uh, although these springs are they supply quite a lot of water, but not by any modern standards would they adequately serve a city. But in those early days when the cities were small, the springs were sufficient. Now, when I look at this, I, at the psalm, I see that this use of river language, um, when, he, when the psalmist says that there is a river that makes glad the city of God, and when there isn't actually a physical river, we assume that he's using the language in a, some sort of symbolic way. And for me, the most natural symbol is that it's like him standing there watching the pilgrims as they would come up uh, to the city and to the temple at the time of the, the great feasts, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Passover or the Feast of uh, Weeks or Pentecost. Uh, people would come from all over um, Israel uh, and it would be a m wonderful meeting of relatives and friends and you can just imagine the joy and the enthusiasm of being together and camping together and in and around the city, tents and uh, houses full of children running and, and uh, the joy of meeting people that you haven't seen for quite a long time. Um, and so there would be this sense of, as you look down over, the, uh, over the, the, the roads and the paths to the city, these streams of pilgrims coming, that perhaps that was a way by which the, it came to the psalmist that these streamings of people were kind of like the river of God. And what he's seeing there is he's not so much just seeing the natural, uh, the, the natural reality of the people walking, but he's seeing the spirit in which they walk. He's seeing the sense of joy, the sense of the blessing of God upon them, particularly in times of peace when they're coming up with, uh, with um, um, some of their agricultural produce um, as offerings, uh, and there are cattle and there are sheep and there's uh, uh, sheaves of, of grain and, and fruit from the trees and all that sort of thing. It's a wonderful scene of uh, the sense of prosperity and blessing um, in the material order, but more deeply, the sense that this all reflects the blessing of God upon them as a nation. It, it, it reminded me of Psalm 133 that says, how good and pleasant it is for the family when the family of God is living together in unity, when they've gathered together and they're in that wonderful spirit of unity, uh, for there the Lord commands his blessing. And uh, so that's the kind of the reason why I think that this is uh, not just the, uh, uh, the, the psalmist looking at the, the natural streams of people, but he's looking at the spirit in which they're coming together with such a sense of gratitude and expectancy, um, isn't it? It's just a wonderful image, isn't it? And yet when you look more closely at the psalm, we discover that the psalm is, 
it actually has a, has a context that that um, that we would call an eschatological context. The the psalm's actually about uh, the world in chaos, and uh, and and so I, I want us to go through the psalm again to get, and it'll come up on the slide now, and you'll be able to see it because th th these this this phrase there is a river. It seems to be kind of in a way um, um, a bit disjointed when you look at the context. So when we look at it, um, you see there, and I've, I've used red in places where the psalm describes the world in crisis, you'll see that the psalm says, God is our refuge and strength, a very, an ever-present help in trouble. And there's the first clue that, 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 that the psalmist is seeing that it's not always uh, peaceful that this glorious scene of, 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 of the pilgrim, pilgrims coming up and, and all the joy and hilarity of the city, uh, it's not always going to be that peaceful and that, that there will be times when the world will be in trouble. And she says, however, because God is our refuge and strength, we are not going to be afraid. And then here you get this language of not just the political environment, but the actual natural environment going through some kind of uh, uh, kind of catastrophe. It says, even if the earth gives way, even if the mountains tumble into the depths of the sea, even if its waters rage and foam and mountains shake at its turbulence, this description of the, the earth itself, the planet, uh, kind of in, in turmoil, in pain. And it's in that context we get the phrase, there is a river whose streams gladden the city of God. God is in this city and it will not be moved. When daybreak comes, God will help it. It's like there's been a, a nighttime of of catastrophe, global catastrophe, and an expectation of absolute um, uh, disaster. And, and then, as it were, when daybreak comes, uh, God, uh, the city's still there, and, uh, and it survived this great uh, turmoil uh, because God is in the midst of it. And then we see the political element. It says, nations were in turmoil, kingdoms were moved. God's voice thundered and the earth melted. The Lord of heaven's armies is with us. Our fortress is the God of Jacob. Come and see the works of the Lord, the astounding deeds he's done on the earth. To the ends of the earth he makes wars cease. He breaks the bow, snaps the spear, burns the shield in the fire. Oh, desist, O peoples of the world, and learn that I am God, supreme over the nations, supreme over the earth. The Lord of heaven's armies is with us, says the psalmist. He's our fortress. He's the God of Jacob. So we see here that it's not just the natural world that's in consternation, as it were, but it's actually the political world, the social world, that's going through wars. And it's as, as if God intervenes and he brings that all uh, uh, to an end. And, uh, and in the middle of all that, is this phrase, there is a river, the streams of which make glad the city of God or the people of God. So when we look at the phrase in that light, uh, uh, we see that, that there's this promise that God is with his people even at the time of the end of the age. And I think that there are cycles in human history where th things go from bad to worse, as it were. When um, we think of the great wars of the, of the 20th century, the, the First World War and the Second World War, these are times when the whole earth was caught up in global conflict. And, and there's always the expectation when we look at the instability of the world that, that there's the potential for another kind of world war. 
and we see, don't we, uh, our media is full of situations globally uh, and all over the place where the world does seem to be in, uh, in constant, in, in trial and in trouble. And, uh, and, and sometimes you could get anxious about, about something really eschatological, end of the age. Uh, type happening and of course also uh, we have had so much in the media about what's happening uh, to the planet and uh, and uh, and whether it's climate change or whether it's the kind of impacts of industrialization etc um, th it seems that that we are in a less stable situation than we were years ago so seen in this light the phrase the city of God is what we would call an eschatological indicator it's actually like when God starts speaking about the city of God to, uh, and he starts speaking about uh, the river of God. I mean, when he starts speaking about the river of God, he's saying that there's a, there's a kind of a calm flow uh, f from the presence of God among his people in the midst of global consternation, in the midst of circumstances that seem to be out of control. I started to do a bit of study into rivers and you may well remember your school days when we, we did the water cycle. And uh, the water cycle is that description of the way in which the, 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 the sun beats down on uh, earth and sea, and uh, particularly over the sea that represents 71% of the planet's surface. Um, as the sun burns down on it, uh, there's evaporation that takes place. And, and that evaporation forms as clouds in the sky, and, and some of those clouds are blown across the land and they precipitate as rain. And as the rain falls down, um, the, the water, some of it, it runs off, some of it uh, soaks in, and, and some of it lies there and, and re-evaporates back. And uh, of the, 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 the whole uh, total amount of, of, eva of evaporation, um, uh, something like 85% of, uh, of evaporated water is coming off the ocean surface and about 14% is coming off the land surface of the earth. But it goes back up and it forms clouds and it comes back down and, and that's this water cycle thing. When it comes to the role of rivers in this is that rivers um, seem to be formed by the, the runoff of rain and uh, they, that's what we would naturally assume, that they're coming from the direct runoff of rain, that as the rain falls, the water trickles over the surface, comes into the, uh, into the river gullies and away it comes away as, 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 as river water and the river water goes back to the earth. Uh, back to the sea. Um, you know, when we've looked at it more closely, and, and uh, I've been particularly interested by a study that was done by um, a, uh, a, a Dr. Misaki in, in Canada. He, he studied the river in his own city, uh, the, the city of Calgary. The river's name is the Bow River. And it, the Bow River rises in the Rockies uh, of Canada, uh, on, the, on the western side of Canada, and then it flows into the central um, provinces of Canada and comes through the, the city of Calgary. And what they wanted to know was where the water in the river had actually come from, how much of it had come directly from rain, and how much of it had come from groundwater or, 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 or something else. And, and to their surprise, uh, they discovered that um, only about 15% of the water in the river had come from rain. And, and the thing that they were so surprised about was in, 
uh, that's rain or snow melt from the Rockies. What they were most surprised about was that 80% of the water in the river had come from groundwater, that it had come from water that had, had been rain and had soaked into the earth and it had been deposited in, in you know, the, 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 in the ground caverns or in the alluvial soil. And then as the river proceeded away from the Rockies, the water actually coming into the river was, was not coming from rain directly, but it was coming from the groundwater, 80% of it. Now, when I uh, think, of, you know, so I, I was thought, is that typical? It's not entirely typical, but um, what it does talk to us about is that the water that you see flowing toward us uh, in rivers hasn't always been just just lately hanging in the clouds as, as, as raindrops. It's, it's been water that's been soaked in and has come in from the sides. And there's a diagram there to give you some sort of idea about this process that how the water soaks in and underneath the surface of the land, there are, there are two great catchment areas. One's the alluvial catchment area, which is like a relatively loose earth material. And in that, the, the water soaks in and that's often adjacent to the, 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 the surface water of the rain. It's what we call the, the, the water table. And, and, and it lies there and the, and, the, and the river actually runs at the level of the water table, as it were. And, 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 and there's water to the, to, to, the, to the left and to the right and all around below it. And it's at de different levels of density, but it's there. And it just starts to make its way back into the river, soaking in through the sides. And then there's underneath that, there's the, the, the big basins that we think of here in Australia, where the huge volumes are held. In fact, of all the water that we think of as clean water that we can use in agriculture and in, and in uh, you know and in human life and development, uh, that 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 clean water, eight percent of it's in the ground, and and only two percent of it is in is, is in rivers and dams uh, that that we use f you know for for normal life and activity, but most of it's in the ground, and. Um, my point in that is that very often when we use the language of the river of God, there's a tendency of us just to think about what's happening on the surface of our experience uh, and, uh, and, and to be hoping that the blessing of God is, is always going to be on the surface level of our experience just in, in, the, in the things that happen in our lives. When God has actually been provisioning and storing grace for us uh, at a much deeper level. I want to direct your thoughts to a passage in Romans chapter 8 because Romans chapter actually captures this theme but uses different language. If the language of the, of the river of God represents the, the, the blessing of God upon God's people, the provision of God to God's people, uh, it's actually talking about the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is the one through whom um, uh, uh, we experience the blessing of God. And, and he's active, not just in our hearts, not just in, in the gifts of the Spirit, but he's active in the circumstances of our lives, providing for us in so many practical ways. How many of us have had answers to prayer in practical issues like, you know, problems at work or, or um, you know, uh, praying for different situations that come uh, into our lives. And we're asking God to intervene in the very practical things that you might hear the birds over my shoulder. But the Holy Spirit is, 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 in, is, is in everything. Like, like the, the rain, it doesn't just uh, uh, all flow off in the rivers. Uh, it's soaked into the ground um, at deeper levels. And, and the Holy Spirit is in all 
of our life and experience. He's ahead of us and behind us and under us and over us, and we are moving in that provision of God. And so Psalm, uh, um, Romans chapter 8, picking up from verse eight, 18, is, is something that um, I think reflects the spirit of, of the river of God, the blessing of God that he has for his people. And, and I'll do it just verse by verse. Paul writes in verse 18, he says, For I, the sufferings of this present age are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation, the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. He talks about the suffering that we experience, some of that directly because of our Christian testimony because we are Christians and we may feel at times that we're being denied uh, opportunity at work or, or or in some sort of situations because of our the confession of our faith but he's sometimes it's more uh, indirect and it's just through the stuff of life the things that happen life isn't easy and uh, and we can become discouraged and and confused by it sometimes things happen in our lives that are just they seem incomprehensible um, you, you know in the in the thought of this idea of a good God who is, and I'm living under his blessing, well, why do um, sad and tragic things happen to, to wonderful people? And, and uh, so it, Paul is sort of saying the sum total of the human experience. He says it's not really worth considering in light of, and this is the amazing thing, when he says in light of the glory that is to be revealed to us. A little bit closer, this means this. It says, what he has in mind is this. Um, he has, it, it's not worth um, being too concerned about because of what's in God's mind and imagination for his people. It's not that he's just going to reveal something to us like a plan and say, here's a wonderful plan for the future. What he's talking about is he's, he's talking about the glory that comes toward us and then enters into us and transforms us. The, the, this, this is, this is the, what he's talking about, that, that God is coming into us in the person of the Holy Spirit. He's flowing into us. He's transforming us. He's enabling us. He's empowering us. Um, whether that's in this age when we are in the midst of trouble or in the age to come when it's all triumph and glory. So the language, in the language of the river, it's like the river begins to go beneath the surface, but it's every now and again, it's brought back into plain sight in the lives of, uh, of God's people when there's a time of blessing. In other words, what I'm talking about here is that the river of God is sometimes not visible. It's like the grace of God is rarely repeat, uh, reported in the news media, is it? You know, the, the wonderful things that God does, uh, it rarely uh, rates a mention in, in, in public media. It's usually about other stuff, celebrities and disasters that, that the media is full of. Uh, but heaven's presses, you know, the, the, the great, the great um, news media of heaven, as it were, are constantly uh, uh, celebrating the grace of God in the life of God's people. And we know that even though it may not be newsworthy, the things that God does in our lives are absolutely wonderful things and to be celebrated. Uh, and it's like they're underground. God is working in his people and so far as the world community is concerned, these things are unimportant, but they are important both to God and to God's people. And that glory is constantly moving toward us, the outworking of God's glorious imagination in our lives. Verse, verse 20 says, was subjected to futility, not willingly, 
but because of him who subjected it in hope. Listen to that. The creation was subjected to futility in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So not only is this, this, this glorious purpose of God, what's in the heart and mind of God for God's people, is it not just for us, but it's for the creation itself. It's like the whole creation is going to be renewed and transformed and the river is uh, of divine grace and blessing. It might be flowing subterraneally, like that water that, that is all around the visible river. There's water moving in the, in the groundwater of the earth. The divine purpose is continuing, even though it's not in the media it's continuing and God is at work uh, it's not just for us in a, in a personal and emotional sense it's it's for the whole creation God is restoring the glory uh, to his people and to the the world that he has created um, in accordance with his goodwill and purpose uh, for it all this business is about it being subjected to futility you know when society turned away from God and decided that it would it would it would it would set a course that, that did not take God into consideration. And we see that all the time in our society today, particularly in the world of science, that it's as if there's, God has no place in science, no place in the natural world. And so they construct ideas uh, to explain the situations in the natural world without reference to God. But, but people do that um, uh, and have done that from the very beginning because in the abandonment from God, we are left to and you pick it up right in the very beginning in the Genesis 3 story when the adversary says, um, you shall be as God. It's not going to be as God suggested, but if you eat that apple, you shall be as God. That thought is like possessed the human soul and people have sought to be as God uh, uh, without God. And that is futility. All our efforts, all our ambitions, they come to nothing in the final analysis. And they have great impacts on the environment, great impacts upon society. These ambitions of people to be famous or to be rich or whatever, that's always at somebody else's expense. And so this futility, it says here uh, in, in that passage that, uh, that the world was subjected to this futility, but God permitted it, but he sowed into the very nature of things that he has created. He sowed the spirit of hope uh, in an expectation that, that his divine purpose, the blessing will ultimately spring forth again the groundwater will continue to fill the river of god's grace the people of god uh, will continue to fill us and sustain us even through the most difficult of circumstances so in conclusion what i've learned from the what we might call the study of the river is that there's a lot more happening beneath the surface than we realize and this is such a this is an example of how god's built hope into the natural order that we didn't realize how much of a river de depended upon the way in which the, uh, the groundwater contributed. And this is true for us spiritually. We live in this hope, in the realizing this today, that the grace of God, the divine favor, the promise, the blessing that drew us to God through Christ, it's operating in so much of the world around us, as well as in our personal emotional experience. We must not judge uh, the purposes of God and the outworking of God's grace in our lives by our emotional state and condition. We must affirm by faith that there is a river of divine blessing and commitment to us and that we're gonna trust God, whatever the circumstances may be, 
that he's going to provide for us the strength, the emotional strength, the spiritual strength, the physical resources that we are going to need in order to, as the scripture says, not just survive, but to live with joy in the, in the expectation of the full realization of his glorious imagination for us as his people. God bless you.